Welcome to TechSuite, your go-to source for the latest legal updates on the fastest moving sector, brought to you by Minter Ellison Robots. I'm your host, Tom Marsland, a partner in our technology team. Today, I'm joined by Luke Hahn, a solicitor in my team, to talk about a hugely important component of technology that's overlooked at an organization's peril. We're talking today about data and cybersecurity. Organizations continue to get more and more sophisticated about their protection of data, but unfortunately, so do the bad actors. There are a huge number of standards worldwide that organizations can look to follow to ensure they're keeping up with best practice, but I think delving into all of these would be far too long for a single podcast. So today, Luke and I are going to focus on New Zealand standards that set out a sort of framework for compliance, which will give entities the best chance of protection. Before we begin, as always with our podcasts, please note that nothing we are discussing today is legal advice, and the information in this podcast is correct as of today's date of 3rd November 2023. So Luke, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Tom. Just to introduce myself briefly, my background's in both law and computer science, so cybersecurity I see as a natural intersection between the two and has been and will continue to be a particular interest of mine. Our team, including myself, have been assisting one of our clients, the health sector, on some of these aspects of cybersecurity, of course, from a legal and contract perspective, uh, has been really front of mind recently. Cyber and data security is such a fast-moving area, and there's always something interesting going on. For example, way more people care about how the data is used and processed now as compared to 20 years ago. I'm not sure I call myself an expert on this subject yet, Tom. I think but you're it's doing pretty well. Great to be talking to you about things that are happening on this front in New Zealand. Hopefully the listeners will get a better idea of what security standards are in New Zealand and how to stay up to the minute. It is super important to get security right. The harm and risk that's involved in not getting it right could be catastrophic for organizations from a reputation perspective and even for individuals. Okay, great. So let's get started with the basics. There is a difference when we talk about data security as opposed to cybersecurity, right? Can that's you right. talk us through this? Yeah, that's right. So first to data security, it's also known as information security or infosec, mm -hmm. and it is primarily concerned and relates to the safeguarding of data itself. So protect data or information from accidental, purposeful, unauthorized use, mm -hmm or focusing on how to protect an organization's data from unauthorized access, data corruption, data loss, accidental or not, uh, regardless of whether these threats come internally or externally from outside the organization. Some measures in data security could involve data encryption, backups, access controls, and increasingly more important these days, there's regulations coming in regulating certain types of information, such as personal information, so all the privacy protections and laws also fall into this bucket. Great. So that's data security or infosec, right? Yep, that's data security. Cool. What about cybersecurity? Cybersecurity is more of a broad term, and there's not really an industry definition for it, mm -hmm. but it definitely encompasses data security. So commonly these days, it refers to the practice of defending all internet-connected systems, even non-internet-connected systems, mm -hmm. and this may include hardware, software, data, etc. from digital attacks. Right. Cybersecurity is concerned with protecting computer systems, networks and devices from a huge range of threats. So looking at the entire technology infrastructure as compared to only data. Okay. Well, while data security is about safeguarding data itself, some examples of cybersecurity could include 
network segmentation, intrusion detection, transport layer security, patch updates and management, antivirus software, and even more personnel related such as security training, testing, and everything in data security as well. So let's now think to the standards themselves. As we mentioned in sort of in the, in the preview to this, there's a complicated and detailed set of global standards that govern the area. Um, and I'm sure listeners, um, particularly those who are familiar with, with technology contracting, will certainly be aware of ISO standards such as ISO 27001. However, today I really just think would, I'd like to cover more about what's happening in New Zealand. What are the key frameworks that apply in New Zealand? Well, one thing that pops to mind, Tom, about key frameworks is the New Zealand protective security requirements. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that every single time <laughs> I refer to these requirements, so let, let's call it PSR. Sure. So the PSR is a policy framework released by the New Zealand government, and it sets out how an organisation could manage security effectively. The New Zealand government considers it as best practice guidance, and it is suitable to assess against whether you are a public or a private sector organisation. It could be said as the New Zealand government expectations around security. So going into more of some of the detail, it's a comprehensive cybersecurity framework. We don't have time to cover the whole framework today, mm-hmm. but mainly it concerns three areas. So the first one being personnel or organizational security, and then InfoSec, data security, and then finally the physical security aspects. Yeah, sure, Luke. Why don't we um, start off with personnel security? Personnel security in the PSR adopts a risk-based approach. Looking at the employment cycle for a a certain personnel, it will start at the pre-employment stage, Mm -hmm. making sure the right person is hired, passes security vetting, and is otherwise suitable for the role. And then it will look onto, after they're employed, the person's ongoing suitability. So this could include when roles change, as they often do, or as security incidents occur relating to that person. This then goes on all the way to managing how that person departs, such as removing their access to the organization's information systems or making sure all the assets, IT assets in particular, or data that belongs to the organization are returned before they they leave for good. So that's like passes and laptops and all that sort of stuff. yeah? Yeah, like passes, laptops. Uh, making sure they can't log into the email after they yeah. they finish their role by the cloud or or even from their phones. From their phones yeah. 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 Cool. So for certain levels of clearance, the framework recommends receiving vetting recommendations from the NZSIS, mm-hmm. the New Zealand Security Intelligence Service. Uh, there's various guides on security clearance as well as personnel security matters on the PSR website. So if that was personnel security, how about information security? Information security, I think we'll get into this a little bit later as mm-hmm. well, sure. but just as a brief overview, it sets out what the agency's information security measures should be based on. So there's express requirements to comply with privacy obligations, the uh, a manual we'll talk about later, mm-hmm. and the security classification system. It's primarily concerned with protecting information from unauthorized use and accidental modification, loss or release. Right. And the third one is physical security. Physical security really is what it is. It's uh, protecting the agency's physical IT assets. So good physical security will include meeting the right health and safety standards, having the right physical security risk management in place, Mm. or else the measures could focus on the site or the building itself, uh, 
and include requirements relating to access controls, video surveillance like CCTV, mm -hmm. detection systems, perimeter controls, and site plans, including as well a reference to the Health and Safety at Work Act 2015 because we're lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's great. So look, where has all this come from and, and what agencies of government were involved in, in development of this? Yeah, bringing it back to 2014, mm -hmm. Cabinet approved the PSR on 8th of December in that year. Mm -hmm. All public service departments have been directed to implement the PSR and the lead security agencies that were involved in its development include the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, the New Zealand Security Intelligence Service, and the GCSB, mm. or the Government Communications Security Bureau. The PSR is closely coordinated from a privacy perspective as well by mm. the government chief privacy officer. So many people from the government, many organizations and people from the government are involved. Right. Government agencies are asked to follow the PSR and other private organizations should consider it best practice. Absolutely. That's great. So it looks like a good comprehensive model for government agencies and private sector with wide sector buy-in. Uh, and that's all covering cybersecurity. What about data or infosec? Is there anything specific for that subset of cybersecurity? Yeah, I briefly touched on this before. Information security is one part of the PSR. So to go in a little bit deeper into this area, maybe we could talk about the New Zealand Information Security Manual. Sure, let's do it another long acronym, the NZISM. So the NZISM is a component of the broader New Zealand PSR, and it specifically focuses on information security and is maintained by the GCSB. I'm sure you won't be able to remember all the acronyms, but you can look on the website to see them. It's <laughs> look at our show notes for yeah, look at our show notes. acronyms. Well, yeah, email me. Um, <laughs> it's designed for government agencies to follow, and there are over a thousand requirements, which we'll go through one by one today. Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> and this podcast is now three hours long. <laughs> um, so the New Zealand government indicates the NZISM is consistent with the ISO standards, NIST, and some other international standards. Mm -hmm. It represents good security practice. However, it is important to bear in mind the NZISM is not law. Yeah. Although agencies are encouraged to use the manual to comply with requirements, they're not mandated to do so by legislation. Sure. And just for those listening, um, you will have heard Luke use the word NIST. That is an American standard. Um, again, check the show notes. We'll put out some more details around that one. So talk us about the controls in the NZISM. Luke, how, how do they work? The controls in the NZISM are broken down to must or must nots and should or should nots. The must obviously take precedence over the shoulds. And here are some examples. An example of a must is that agencies intending to adopt public cloud technologies or services must develop a plan for how they intend to use these services. Mm -hmm. This plan can be standalone or part of an overarching ICT strategy. For shoulds, agencies should leverage public cloud environment native security services as part of legacy system migrations in preference to recreating application architectures that rely on legacy perimeter controls for security. Mm. As you can see, there's a slight difference between a must and a should. Yeah. Yep. So IT suppliers to agencies are often required to comply with NZISM during RFP or in a contract. Mm. We've seen this a lot, Tom. We use and this a lot. <laughs> yeah, and this is good. This is a really nice catch-all, but as the NZISM is so complex and multifaceted, you may see pushback from a supplier in, in this regard. And it could also be better to spell out exactly what you want from a supplier relating to the NZISM. For example, 
Section 17.2 talks to encryption of data at rest, and Section 16.6 talks to event logging, and spelling these out specifically in the contract would make sure that any sort of doubt is avoided and the obligations on the supplier are accurately described. Yeah, it's yeah. a really good point, Luke. I mean, uh, often you do see that catch-all, you must comply with the NZISM, but the reality is, what are you actually saying when you say that in a contract? Are you saying you must comply with all musts? So you comply, are you saying you must comply with all musts and shoulds? And if we're asking an IT supplier to do all that, is that realistic and reasonable for the supplier? So I, I agree with you. I think it is better to point to specific sections uh, and say which ones are, are, are necessary to comply with if you're going to put that onto the suppliers. But yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's right, Tom. Excellent. On to the next part of the pod. Um, Luke, Tafaru Ora Health New Zealand has released a framework recently too, right? And, and what's that designed to do and what does that cover? It's related to a very specific category of data being health information. Yeah. So there is a security framework that springs to mind here and is to avoid the long title, the Health Information Security Framework in 2022. I think it's 10029, uh, but don't quote me on that. So this was issued by Tifatu Ora Health New Zealand on 23rd of December, 2022, last year. Mm-hmm. It's designed to support health sector organizations or practitioners to manage the security of personally identifiable health information. This information is a subset of personal information and personal information is, of course, subject to the Privacy Act. We've had many podcasts about the Privacy Act and yep. personal information, so you mm-hmm. can look at those uh, to see. Mm, yeah, a bit more information yeah, than the information. Absolutely. Yeah, but health information, just to provide some examples, could include an individual's medical history, information about the health of the individual, such as any disabilities they may have, and any other information collected before or in the course of the provision of any health services to such an individual. So it is quite broad. Yeah. There was a previous version of the HISO or the HISF, but the Health Information Security Framework, and it was the HISO 2015 version. So this was published in December 2015 by the Ministry of Health with the contribution of other agencies. This standard is no longer seen as fit for purpose, so we would recommend looking at the newer 2022 version as that's the it's, yeah. the it's the one to yeah. look at right the other one is not is not there anymore absolutely it's yeah great, great often you can miss a few numbers when you're when you're reading through the, <laughs> the, the when there's like 20 of them so the 2022 version is a completely refreshed standard and, and it actually remains continually updated so it's not at a point in time there may be updates that to come even after or during this podcast so it relates broadly to the management and improvement of security surrounding health information mm. and acts as a guide to help the relevant organizations in the health sector to comply with the relevant laws around its protection. There's a switch from an ISO-centric model to a more NIST model. Mm-hmm. And also there's more consideration for older Māori health and generally Māori co-design. Sure. You can look into it yourself on the website if you want to get more details. And the guidance is split further into specific guidance for hospitals, micro to small organizations, medium to large organizations and for even for suppliers to these organizations. Mm. Each of these as well as the framework itself is set out on the website. Tafaru Aura's website? Yeah. And it's yeah, welcome anyone to have a look. So a little bit extra for experts. <laughs> There's some recent developments from the GCSB and they've released released a beta version 
of their cybersecurity framework called NCSC mm. on 28th of February earlier this year. This framework is still in its beta phase and currently the GCSB is welcoming any feedback if, if you're interested. It is very similar to the NIST cybersecurity framework and the GCSB plans on setting out how it could be used in conjunction with the NZISM or other security standards. This is a space to keep an eye on and there's so much to talk more about in this area. We, we've barely scratched the first surface, Tom. Hey Luke, thank you so much for that. Look, this is such a complex area and it's really important to get right whether you're a customer or a supplier. It's certainly something we as a technology team at Minterellis and Rudwatts are very focused on, supporting both um, our customer clients and our supplier clients through this. So for those of you listening, if you do want um, to have us give you a hand with your contracts, whether on supply side or customer side, please don't feel uh, afraid at all to get in contact uh, through the usual channels. Look, I'm afraid that is actually all we've got time for today. So to the listeners out there, if you do want more information, absolutely do get in touch with us. Luke, as you can tell, is an absolute expert in this area and in conjunction with the firm's um, Stellar Technology team, do get in touch and we're happy to talk about this in more detail with you. Luke, thank you so much today for your insight. There's obviously a huge amount to consider in this area. It's been great to talk to you about it. Thanks, Tom. And to the listeners, thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to rate, review or follow the tech suite wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can subscribe to receive new episodes directly in your inbox via our website at minterellison.co.nz.